Hey, welcome to the Pretty AF Podcast. I'm Asli Maslow, a brand coach, speaker, author, marketer, and the founder of Pretty AF and the Babble Boutique. I help entrepreneurs going from living paycheck to paycheck in a job they hate to thriving in a career and life they love. This is your place to learn from me and other entrepreneurs that are Pretty AF inside and out. We get into how to create income doing what you love while finding balance between your wellness, beauty, travel, and philanthropy. If you're ready to get inspired and have actionable steps to build the life you love, then you're in the right place. Let's dive in. My number one, if anyone asks me about how I maintain my team, take care of them. Don't give them a reason to leave. Don't give them a reason to feel unappreciated. I, tr- I have very low turnover in all my businesses because I'm a human and I treat my staff and team and employees as humans as well. <laughs> They're not machines. <laughs> they need days off. They need to go to that wedding and get, I want to approve that so they don't have to worry if they have a job or not. Some need to have babies and <laughs> want to know their jobs here for them when they're done having babies. Like I take care of everybody really well. You know, if there's extra money in the business because everyone killed it, everyone gets a bonus. Like I want my team to know they're appreciated. Welcome back to the Pretty AF Podcast. I'm your host, Asley Maslow, and that clip was from today's guest, Chloe Churko. Chloe is the studio manager over at the Hideout Studio in Las Vegas. She is also the owner of Pink Noise Management. She co-owns a chicken shack. She kind of does it all. And in today's episode, we chat about bookkeeping, business management, how to grow your team, basically all the things you're going to want to know if you're starting your own business. So without further ado, let's get into it. I manage the Hideout Recording Studio in Las Vegas, and I also manage producer Kevin Churko. And recently I started my own company, Pink Noise Management, which is a bookkeeping slash like business management firm. So I have a few clients under there as well that are all within the music industry, like uh, session musicians, and I have a management company as well out of Nashville that I business manage for. I'm also a full-time student. I am the treasurer on my HOA, (laughs) and I plan to run for HOA election uh, on a different HOA in January as well, so I will be on two HOAs next year, hopefully. And how I got there is, I mean, really a lot of coffee. A lot of caffeine. I started out of high school just working like retail. I was always like a manager or a team lead of some kind in in like retail or food, which was I think where a lot of my foundation came from, honestly, for customer service and like team management. Then I decided to move to Canada and I did some stuff there in the same field. And then I came back to Vegas and started working for my dad at his studio. He built a recording studio, a really small private studio. So I started just like anyone else as an intern, <laughs> cleaning toilets and doing all the grunt work that no one wants to do. I did that for probably a couple of years, probably too long. <laughs> and then just kind of went up from there and grew from that. And then in 2016, we bought a really large studio in town which I just kind of took over and just ran and just did. The week we got the keys for the building and the business, everybody was out of town except me. So I came in and the previous owner just like handed me this handful of keys and was like, (laughs) all right, see you later and left me to do my thing. So I pretty much from basically, I, I think of it as from 2016 on is really where, 
you know, I exponentially rose because I kind of just had a lot more challenges than a small studio, you know, half working, you know, doing stuff. But, and then I went into more into management in the last couple of years and Pink Noise is fresh as of 2020. So almost a year, it's almost been a year with Pink Noise now. Awesome. So as far as Pink Noise, I know that you offer bookkeeping and business management. What three things do you think every business owner should have in place to get their bookkeeping and business management in a good place? Yeah, um, I get asked this a lot. And I have clients that range from been established businesses for years or just starting out. I think the number one thing is to start early, even if you're doing it yourself start keeping track of things early. Don't just like run your business for three years and then have no clue what's going on when you actually have to start doing stuff. There's a lot of reasons for that. And with with all the resources out there, like QuickBooks and stuff, you know, you can get a QuickBooks membership for like 10 bucks a month and then you're keeping track of everything properly. There's other, other software as well. Even a Google spreadsheet is better than nothing. But there's a lot of reasons for that. I think 2020 really brought a lot of that to light is there, it came to a time where we all had to apply for loans and businesses had to try to get payroll protection loans or loans that were supporting because of COVID because they had to close. And a lot of these businesses didn't have bookkeeping set up, so they couldn't send the bank a profit and loss for last year to prove what kind of money they need or a payroll statement from last year so they know how much money they, they, they're eligible for. And I saw a really big increase in inquiries from for my business of people going, uh, I'd have never had a profit loss before and I need to refinance my house. Like, can you help me with this? And then having to backlog all of that mm-hmm. is much more tedious than if you would have just done it from the beginning. And even like I said, even at a level of a Google document will make a world of a difference if you have to like consult a professional later. So that's number one is just start early. Just do it from the minute you open that business banking account. Or even if you just start doing some working for yourself as an influencer or first time you get paid for something, start tracking it. That's that's definitely number one. I always say number two is find a good accountant. <laughs> <laughs> definitely a good accountant. And find an accountant that's in, if you can, is in your field. There's a lot of specialized accountants. I know like a lot of your following is content creators and influencers and stuff. There are accountants for that. There are bookkeepers that specialize in that industry find specialized team members as you start growing. They'll just be more familiar with your deductions and like how to track stuff and what you could buy and not buy under your business. And it's really more beneficial in the long run. I don't know if I have a third piece of advice. Those are pretty much, it's very simple when you think about it. It's a simple concept. It's just either nobody wants to do it. Nobody, it is expensive sometimes. So, you know, a lot of it is budgeting and stuff, but Mm -hmm said even if you do have the bare bones minimum and you have a friend who's learning accounting that wants to be the influencer accountant like get with them they don't they may not charge you thousands of dollars like another one would but at least it's someone who cares about that industry versus just going to someone going to H&R block in the Walmart and then be like hey I'm an influencer here's my taxes it makes it makes difference for sure yeah is bookkeeping essentially just tracking what you're spending and what you're bringing in yeah yeah so the two branches what generally people call me to bookkeep and that turns into business management because then they realize like what that difference is Mm -hmm. so bookkeeping in layman's terms is tracking your your expenses tracking your income 
you know, making sure your business is staying afloat. It's kind of like overviewing like your profit and loss for the month, making sure you're in a good spot uh, financially. You know, you can consider bookkeeping under the realm of like paying people if you pay any like subcontractors to do work for you, your graphic designer, your podcast editor, making sure those are all being tracked accordingly so you can write those things off. It's really just basically a bookkeeper like bundles your year financially based on your bank statements ultimately and hands it over to an accountant and some bookkeepers also do taxes mm-hmm. when you go into like business management that's when it gets more complicated with you know some of my clients I send their invoices out I chase their payments <laughs> I do tax planning for them I tell them what they can bonus all their employees just based off of my knowledge I run payroll things like that sometimes I even go as far as if someone wants to refinance their house, I will go through their whole loan process for them. And they don't even have, they just have to sign on the line at the end. Like I'll basically be kind of like their power of attorney through those things. And then I also do kind of the side stuff of, which also falls into business management a bit of like for music industry specifically, like royalty accounting, making sure royalties are getting paid, songwriting, you know, royalties are getting paid that those kinds of things. So like business management is more like I'm looking at everything, bookkeeping, mm-hmm. I'm really just looking at those bank accounts and making sure those match up. And then when you want to file your taxes, I can say, here's what you spent and here's what's right up, what you can write off. And here's what you're going to owe for taxes at the end of the year. Yeah. And I would think that musicians similar to any kind of multi-passionate entrepreneur, you just have so many different streams of income that kind of having that person making sure that you're getting paid when you're supposed to is probably a big it is and sometimes it just helps to have like the business management comes into play sometimes where you just want a middleman if you're negotiating and like like I said business management and management are different like if you had an influencer manager or something like that but sometimes you just need a middleman to be like you know hey when are you gonna pay this bill instead of it coming directly from you because Mm -hmm. you don't want to ruin that relationship that you're forming as well and you can kind of pawn it off to someone else to be the bad guy you know when you're chasing payments and stuff but yeah I do do, sometimes I do that kind of stuff where someone's being stubborn and they're like hey we don't want to ruin this relationship can you just call this client and get their banking info I'm like all right I'm in (laughs) tag me in coach (laughs) but you only specifically work with people in the music industry right or no I do I would say I encompass mostly music that's just because what I know and that's what I ended up kind of falling into uh but like you said it is very similar to you know content creators to even zero entrepreneurs who are doing several different things I would say I'm definitely more in the creative realm uh, like I don't necessarily work for an insurance company or something but mm. but I def I've gone more towards an influencer side as well and and any kind of like small business that I would say if it's creative I can do it because it's because <laughs> it's all very similar so that's when you have those several income streams like you said and stuff like that's what that's what I kind of work towards. And a lot of the musicians I work with, like I have a lot of session players and like touring musicians, it's all the same. They still get brand deals that they have to post about and mm-hmm. collect money for and stuff. So, I mean, it's, it is kind of the same, but I would say not necessarily get a bookkeep for the restaurant down the street, <laughs> but I will handle anything that's creative based. Unless it's chicken shack, right? <laughs> Unless it's chicken shack. I do the chicken shack books. <laughs> And I would do that. I mean, that's actually something I've looked into is uh, franchise auditing. You know, when you when you work when you have a franchise business, I now know the other side of it. So I could go to a franchise and say, "Hey, give me the list of your top ten franchises. I will make sure they're paying you the right amount because they may be doctoring their books a little bit." And mm. and as a franchise owner, 
you have a right to see those statements. And if you can, if I can get those statements, I can cross compare it and do the dirty work. But I, I've definitely thought about it. I mean, I'm still so early in the infancy of pink noise. So I'm trying to stay to where my market is. But I do see a lot of room for expansion into other fields because I just have knowledge in a lot of different things, too. I admit, I also do help an insurance company in town as well, <laughs> like like a house insurance company. So I guess I do a little bit of everything, but it's not necessarily what I prefer. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of multiple hats, you're not just the owner of Pink Noise Management. You're also a studio manager, like you mentioned. You're a co-owner of a chicken shack and you're a wife. You recently lost 89 pounds. So how do you manage everything and how do you decide what you're going to say yes to? Did I mention I drink a lot of coffee? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, that's how I manage everything. I don't know. I wish I could. Add. I looked at like when you sent me this, I was thinking, I wish I had some kind of easy answer, but I'm just a freak of nature. <laughs> like I and everyone says that, like, how do you do this? How do you do all these things? How do you stay so organized? I'm just. I like to say, and like on a like serious, but not a serious note, I'd like to think I have some kind of really high functioning anxiety where throughout my waking hours, I just have to do something constantly. I just can't not do, I can't sit and I can't relax and I can't not think about something. Even my relaxing time has turned into building Legos, which is very like thought processing still you know it's not relaxing but it (laughs) at least takes my mind out of thinking about work Mm -hmm. then I'm only focused on one thing versus you know just like coloring or something like you're focused but I just I just do it I just wake up and it's a hamster wheel every day but I think staying organized is really the key as I start doing more I find my memory is not as good as it used to be so I have to write a lot of stuff down I have a lot of google docs and google sheets of where I'm at with certain projects and tasks with, you know, my last update. So I remember what I did last on it because I just can't remember everything. You know, as my team grows, I start to hand stuff off to other people, which then I really need to keep track of because now I don't even know what they're doing (laughs) a lot of the time too. But I think organization is really key and staying well rested as much as possible. I do pride myself in getting my full eight hours every night. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) And then as far as saying, you know, what I say yes and no to, I really struggle with that still. That's something I'm still working on. I I do tend to say yes to a lot of things and then realize I have to back away slowly because I can't, I don't have the time. But so I I don't say no as much as I probably should, but a lot of the time I, because I go back and forth mentally of if it's a good thing or a bad thing, because at the same time I'm exposed to so much. And, you know, if I would have said no and not taken on that challenge or that task, I might not have learned that thing otherwise. So Mm -hmm. it's it's a blessing and a curse, I guess, as far as relaxing. I'm sure my husband hates it when we're walking the dogs and I'm on the phone the whole time doing business stuff, but you know, I think, I think a lot of the traits of successful people is they don't stop. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's really, you look at any of the biggest CEOs in the world or founders of companies in the world and they're 24 hours. They don't, you know, maybe they get a one week vacation and they, but they do it when everyone else is taking a vacation, like the holidays or something, you know, you just, you just can't really stop. I try to set limits on my timeframes though. Like I try not to check my emails after midnight. But I also after admit it, sometimes, sometimes after midnight, I get those emails that I, that you sometimes have to be fast. You have to be timely and stuff yeah. too. So, and, and I work with people overseas, so I'm there in different time zones. Sometimes I have to take advantage of that too. So I try to not look at my phone between after midnight and before 8am, but I would say I still do. Mm-hmm. And I, maybe I just don't respond every time, but you know, I use the flagging method, you know, I flag my emails, but yeah, I, I'm, I 
can't give good advice because I still haven't turned myself off yet either. (laughs) Do you have any tips for being more organized? I recently started being more organized like within the last year. I am a pro advocate for Dropbox. I put everything in Dropbox so that way I can access it from anywhere. That's really important, especially if I'm not near my computer or my phone or my work computer. Everything is just in Dropbox and mm-hmm. it's all there. I love the flagging system on Mac Mail. I still use that. I have just been using Google Docs this year, like the Google Sheets and Google Page, like Google Docs in like Google Hole, which I love because I can access from anywhere as well. Yeah. And I can share with other people and we can real time edit. That's definitely good. I'd say I'm I'm still very newbie when it comes to organization. I'm still old school pen and paper list <laughs> as well, I admit. And I actually am designing a notepad, an organizational notepad for like organizing your tasks accordingly to like priority and stuff because oh. I have figured out exactly the optimal notepad system <laughs> <laughs> as long as there's a record of it somewhere if, if I can search an email my emails for whatever I'm looking for search my google stuff search my dropbox as long as everything's accessible at all times that's really the most important thing to me that I can reach it from any device I can get it from someone else's computer. I can get it from the library's computer if I needed to or a hotel or whatever. As long as everything is accessible at all times from any device, that's what's most important for me at least. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. One of the things you mentioned is growing a team. And I know that you've done this within your different businesses. So how do you know when you're ready to start growing a team and how do you know who to hire first? It's so different depending on what you're doing. Mm -hmm. I mean, if I look at the restaurant compared to the studio, compared to me as a person, how I expand are completely different strategies for my team. Most businesses, I would say, you really know when when you have a hole. When you have a hole in your business that you can't fulfill, you need to hire someone. So if it's a, a skill that you don't have or you don't have time to learn, you need to hire someone. If you're overwhelmed and you need help, you need to hire someone. I know right now, like virtual assistants are really popular. I think that's really cool. And I think that's handy for a lot of people, especially for just like some smaller tasks that they just don't have time for. As far as like permanent team members, like I said, I've always looked at it as don't expand too fast, especially within like music. And I would think, you know, any a lot of creative spots, a lot of people think I need a business manager. I need a manager. I need a lawyer. I need an assistant. I need all these other things. I would only take things on as you need them so you don't get overwhelmed or have to start firing, laying people off or firing them or you're not giving them work and then they start doing other things and then they're not as involved in your projects anymore. Really to just spend the time to figure out what you need for that business. So for the chicken shack, it's usually just filling availability of someone can't work on Sunday. I need someone who can work on Sunday and hire them. For me as a person, I need a lot of the time I need help. I just need an assistant. I need someone to make spreadsheets for me and things that just take time that I can do, but I just don't have time for. For the studio, I need qualified people. I need engineers. I need people who know certain kinds of software and certain genres of music. Really, you just have to find what you need, but don't overextend yourself because I see that a lot where people will hire like five people off the hop. Mm-hmm. And don't have work for five people or they temporarily have work for five people. So, and then as far as team, my number one, if anyone asks me about how I maintain my team, take care of them. Don't give them a reason to leave. Don't give them a reason to feel unappreciated. I, tr- I have very low turnover in all my businesses because I'm a human and I treat my staff and team and employees as humans as well. <laughs> They're not machines. They need days off. They need 
to go to that wedding and get, I want to approve that so they don't have to worry if they have a job or not. Some need to have babies and <laughs> want to know their jobs here for them when they're done having babies. Like I take care of everybody really well. You know, if there's extra money in the business because everyone killed it, everyone gets a bonus. Like I want my team to know they're appreciated mm-hmm. so, so they stick around because I think turnover is really a, ba- a really bad thing for your business. It's expensive to have to retrain people. It's time consuming. And it's, it, I think it, I think it also like takes down team morale as well. If you have a high turnover rate and you're constantly hiring and firing people or they're leaving, I think it affects the other employees too. So, or the other yeah. team members. So I think keeping the same kind of team for as long as possible is really good. As long as they're doing a good job. <laughs> <laughs> I think a big thing that you mentioned is that people need time off and that even though as a business owner like you might be 24 7 thinking about the business your employees it's not it's likely not their dream that they've been trying to chase the same way you are so I feel like remembering that and appreciating them for like the job they are doing and basically supporting your dream is so huge do you have any tips for showing your employees that you appreciate them I am a sucker for random compliments. I like to do that. I'll just randomly for no reason text someone and go, Hey, thanks so much for working so hard this week. Or, Hey, like, thanks for coming in or Hey, thanks for not complaining during this tough time. Or, you know, I think even just that random 8 PM text message can make a world of a difference to someone to feel good. I mean, think of it for yourself. I like getting those messages. Why wouldn't I want (laughs) someone else to get those messages? Yeah. Like I said, if I'm also a business person, so I have to be realistic, but if there's a noticeable, you know, increase in sales that month, everyone else is going to notice that too. And if they're not getting a little bonus or they're not seeing some kind of incentive, then it kind of looks like, well, thanks for making us all this money and bye. Like, <laughs> you know, so I try to, I try to reward with you know bonuses of some kind. I don't think to date in the last five years, I've ever denied time off. I always approve people's time off. I'm not as woke as some of the businesses who let you just take whatever days you want off as long as you get your work done like I still like a little bit of a schedule to a point but I do approve a lot of time off and I think that makes a difference because I know working for other people before if I didn't get my time approved off I usually quit if I could Mm -hmm. or if I knew I could get another job I just quit like you don't want me you want Christmas week I'm gonna quit then I'll get another job after Christmas like, yeah. I'm not going to miss out. You know, people prioritize differently. Like you said, they're, my team may not be as 24-7 as I am, so I can't expect them to be 24-7 like me. And a lot of the time I think of it as I'm the last in command. If the place is burning down, I'm the one that's coming over here to meet the firefighters, like, <laughs> at, at midnight or whatever. So a lot of the time I have to really, like, assess what's in their realm of duties and what's what's too extreme. I wouldn't expect my, one of my staff members to go to the shack because the alarm went off at 4am. That's not their job. That's my job. Mm -hmm. So I think really like letting them be in their position, giving them room to grow because I appreciate growth and promotion and I do promote people and I give raises and all that if they're doing really well, but still knowing like not taking advantage of them, I think is important of not expecting more than more than what they should be doing without compensating them for it you know a lot of people start a position and they'll get paid the same rate or or close to the same rate for years 
but they'll be doing double the amount of work they did when they got hired. Yeah. And that's not fair. They should be getting paid double for what they, you know, or close to double if they're doing double the amount of work. So, I mean, just treating, I just treat everyone like I would want to be treated if I worked at a company. If I work hard, I want to be appreciated. If I want time off, I want, and I'm doing a good job, I want my time off and I'm doing a good job, you know. If I have people who decide they only want to work two days a week from now on, that's fine. I'll just hire someone who can work the other five or whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not not the end of the world and I just have to treat everyone like a human and you know like I said if I'm 24 hours I don't get vacation but everyone else can have a vacation (laughs) (laughs) so I know another thing that you do is a lot of public speaking and being on panels do you have any tips for if someone is wanting to do that as well how they can kind of get into it yeah I think networking is a big thing just networking just to know as many people as you can, especially people who maybe organize events and organize panels. A lot of the stuff I've done, you know, more as of recently have been, well, podcasts because of COVID. You know, a lot of it has also been, you know, before COVID, like school stuff, like universities and stuff like that, you know, guest speakers and classes. I think just knowing and networking with those people, because when that person that you met at whatever convention remembers you, and remembers a good experience they had talking with you, they, they'll they think of you for when they organize that panel. A lot of that stuff is just knowing who the organizers are and them remembering who you are. So I think it really does go hand in hand with networking. Mm-hmm. Also not burning any bridges. If that person's putting on a badass panel that you want to be a part of, and even if you know it's happening and you reach out, you don't want them to go, oh, Chloe, I didn't like the last time I saw her. She was kind of mean to me or, you know... I'm really an advocate for treating everybody the same and not burning bridges. If someone is in a, I don't want to say lower position, but say a lesser or an earlier part in their career and your way excelled in your career and at this level, don't be a jerk to the (laughs) guys that are just starting out or the students. I go to so many conventions and people are so mean to students because they're like, oh, they're just, they're just in university. Like they don't, they don't know anything yet. But all those university students are going to be bossing you around one day because they're all going to, you know, at some point you're going to come full circle and you're going to be on the same level. And, you know, you just don't, I don't know. Like I said, a lot of the people that organize that stuff source the people they want on those panels or for those keynotes or whatever. So as long as you have a good experience and you are a good person to talk to when you meet those people they'll think of you when they when they are doing those things they'll go oh yeah chloe knows a lot about recording studios let's call her in for this thing and she's really cool you know <laughs> or whatever <laughs> like i at least that's what i do i'm not a professional i don't travel the world talking at events it may be different if you have a manager or a publicist or something but at least at a lower level of just doing kind of the local stuff that's that that's what i would say yeah that's something that I have noticed with you because when we met, I was just starting out pretty much in my career and you were the studio manager of the hideout and the company I was working for rented office space in there. And I felt like you treated me as an equal to you. And like, I was like, obviously not career wise, the same space that you were, but like, I felt like you treated me as like a friend, not like you were so much better than me you're like <laughs> don't bother me I'm in my office so, yeah and that it is it, but again I do that because I've been treated that way and I know yeah. how it feels on my end is I've been I get that all the time of oh like like you're just especially being a female like you know I go I walk in a room with three other businessmen 
they're all going to introduce each other, like, and you meet other people, they're all going to introduce to the men first, and then you're in the corner, and they assume you're someone's wife or someone's girlfriend, and that you're not an equal with those people you walked in with. Again, a little more on the women's side, but in general, I've always been in a higher position young, so I have always gotten that, even when I was doing store management in retail, I was doing that at, like, 16, I was managing a store, so, Mm -hmm. so, you know, I've always kind of gotten that from other people based on my age or my gender. And I've always been on a scale of that. Like, yes, I'm, I do business management and I have a company that's doing really well, but at the same time, I'm also a full-time student. So I also get the flack of the student side of it too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, I, it, I think everything in life boils down to treat others the way you want to be treated. And I'd really try to, anytime I'm in a difficult situation, I really try to think of if it was flipped, how I would feel, what I would want, how I'd want someone to treat me. And again, don't burn your bridges because here we are, what is that, three years ago, two years ago, mm-hmm. doing a podcast. We're both doing different <laughs> things now, other than I still run the studio a little, but you know, we're both <laughs> doing different things now. And you thought of me as, oh, she's cool. Maybe she could be on my podcast or yeah. whatever, instead of you know going, oh, Chloe was so rude to me when I was there. She lives <laughs> in her office and thought she's better than everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> you do have a really nice office, though, so I was a little jelly. <laughs> <laughs> I've redecorated since you've probably seen it last too. Yeah. Psst. I'm about to tell you my biggest biz secret. The majority of the moolah I make in my biz is from my online courses. Imagine if you created a course in your expertise and you could help people without having to continue trading time for money. There's a platform that will give you everything you need to make that dream a reality. It's what I use to host all my courses on AsleyMasler.com. It's Kajabi. It's an all-in-one platform that you can host your website, courses, and email marketing. You can do all your sales through Kajabi, so no need to Frankenstein a website together anymore. You'll no longer have to pay someone every time you want to change something on your website. Kajabi's a game changer. With Kajabi, you can easily log in and drag and drop your changes to create a beautiful website and platform for your biz and online courses. Click the Kajabi link in the show notes and you'll get two weeks free. Now back to the show. Back to your kind of teams. Do you have any tips on how you communicate with them and make sure that everyone's on the same page because I know I've worked at places before that like I kind of just felt like I didn't know what was going on (laughs) I feel like you should do a follow-up of this podcast with my staff like you should just interview all of them about how I am as a leader because I have all the tips again I, I would I have to say half of it is what I would expect as an employee Half of it is stuff I picked up from my dad. We have a very unconventional way of doing things in general, but I think that's where a lot of our success comes from. One, I'll give you one good tip, and this is for everybody who has a team, especially with COVID. I send a lot of emails. I send a lot of memos to people of, hey, you didn't turn the air conditioner down last night. Don't forget to do that. Hey, you know, clean the kitchen next time you're in there. You don't need to leave all your dishes around. I send so many emails. One thing I do, I've noticed, is that if they're too long, people don't read them or they skim them. And I can tell because then the next time they do that thing, I go, hey, did you see my email? And they go, what email? So what I do is if my email's too long and I know it's going to be too long for someone to read, in the middle of the email somewhere, I will put some random sentence like reply back with your favorite color 
or reply back with your favorite chocolate bar right in the middle, in the middle of a sentence somewhere. <laughs> if they reply to me with their favorite whatever I put in there, I call these my Easter eggs, I give them $20 cash because they read my email completely. <laughs> and when you, and I tell them, you know, I say, don't tell anyone, but like, if it gets brought up, bring it up that you got this $20 cash and they all talk and they all go, Hey, like, did you read that email Chloe sent? And they're going, Oh no, I haven't read it yet. Or yeah, I kind of looked through it. It's so boring. And they go, <laughs> Oh yeah, I got 20 bucks. Cause I read it, you know, things like they, people start talking and it works now. I think every email I send, I don't always do the $20 thing, but they all get read now because everyone's looking for my little Easter egg in those long emails. Hmm. I think that really helps. That's a side. Again, that's just strategy, but I have regular staff meetings, like quarter, I'd say quarterly at this point. I think too many is excessive and I think it can almost be, you just, you have to, you have to keep people's attention spans. I'm realistic about how long people's attention spans are. If you're having daily meetings for an hour in the beginning of the day, it's just not effective, Mm -hmm. at least for the type of business I'm in. I think quarterly is good to go over stuff. I send periodic emails if there's like little things here and there or text messages or whatever. I notice with a lot of companies, probably similar to some of the ones you've worked for, that if the owners and the leaders are not on the same page, your team is not going to know what's going on. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important if you're not, you're, if it's not just like me to my team and there's other people involved in the leadership roles they all need to be on the same page. They need to have a common goal. They need to know what they're trying to strive for. Because if everyone's a little different and not quite communicating, you can't expect your team to know what's going on if you they don't even know what you guys think are going on. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important to, we have, what we do is we have pre-meetings. So usually before we have to change something or or shift the business somehow, as, an, as owners, we'll have an owner's meeting and we'll go through. So we're all on the same page. We all know what's going on. We all know what the goal is. And that way we can relay that message better to, this, to the team that's maybe putting in more of the work and stuff. Yeah. And then open door policy. I know if you communicate well with your team and you allow them to communicate back to you, I think it just goes better. If, you, if your staff isn't scared to approach you with a problem or approach you with something they saw that didn't make sense, I don't want ever, anyone to ever feel fearful that they did something wrong, so they just, like, leave it, and then they're like, oh, maybe no one will notice I did this thing <laughs> wrong. Like, I want them to come to me and say, hey, I'm not sure I did this right. Like, can you check this? Like, it just doesn't seem right to me, you know? I don't want anyone to feel like they're going to get in trouble or get fired if they did something wrong. I think that's important, too, with communication on both ends. Communication has to go both ways. And that same goes with – I probably am too liberal with it, but just even people's happiness. Like, I – if someone is unhappy at work about something that's going on at work, as much as I don't like to listen to people complaining all day, I will mm-hmm. because there may be that one little nugget of information that I needed that to realize that there is a real problem. It's not just, oh, so-and-so is annoying that day, but mm-hmm. there is something deeper going on. You know, I think you need the communication on both ends for any business to work instead of just telling your staff or your team what to do and expecting them to do it without asking you a question or, or making mistakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think a lot of that sounds like being really involved in everything and really understanding everything that's going on versus being more of a boss. You're being more of a leader and being involved with everything and kind of trying to. Yeah, that's why I always say and it goes with the bookkeeping is do everything yourself in the beginning so mm-hmm. that you know what things are. So when you go and hire a bookkeeper, 
and they start telling you stuff that's not making sense to you, you have enough knowledge to look back. You don't necessarily have to be a pro, but you have enough knowledge to go, well, that's not making sense. Like, I know what happened in that bank account this year. And like, why would you say those numbers? And that's how you can tell when people are stealing from you because you kind of already know. And if you kind of know, you know, any, any little thing that you're going to outsource, I still think everyone should have like a baseline knowledge in. So that way you can really make sure when you're not getting screwed over if someone who's all talk and no action. And you can say like, no, I know how this should be done. I can't do it. I've hired you to do it, but but like, it should not be like this. I think it's really important to know all aspects of your business, even at a beginner's level, even accounting. I didn't know any of that stuff five years ago, but I do now. And that was because I wanted to make sure we had good people and we had accountants who were not doing a good job. And I figured that out. And now we do have, I figured out what I needed and what was lacking and what was shady and what wasn't. But <laughs> I think it's really important to have that baseline knowledge and stuff. And I think it's important for your staff to have that too. To a degree, you may not want them to know all your business finances, obviously, but I think they need to also know, like, if you have several departments or people who are separated, I think they need to know what each other does, too, Mm -hmm. instead of just going, oh, I don't deal with that. Go send that to Jessica down the street. She knows what's up with that. Like, just having knowledge of of it, of everything within each other, too. I don't know. Yeah, I've definitely found that with companies I've worked for before, when people don't really know exactly what other people do, there starts being, like... I guess like kind of like gossipy, like, well, what does Adley even do? Like, why is she here? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And whereas maybe your role was quite big, but they it was different from theirs. And mm-hmm. it's the same here. I have all these engineers who all think they're the best. I mean, and in the best way possible, because they're all very talented. But, you know, there's times where one will come to me and go like, hey, like, like that guy like didn't do a very good job the other day. Like he wasn't a very good engineer that day. And like, I don't know, what is he even, why is he even here? And I'm like, well, because he has other things that are more, I'm working on that. I'm working on his weaknesses, but he has other strengths that you don't have. So, you know, yeah. again, he fills a hole that, that is, is there because someone else couldn't do it. So yeah, no, I, I agree. It's definitely, I think everyone having knowledge of what each other does properly makes sense. So along with your team, you obviously also have clients that you work with do you have any tips for creating those client relationships so that people want to continue working with you for the long term yeah I do (laughs) (laughs) I would say I don't I don't know I can only speak for myself I can't speak for what works in every industry I can only speak on what's worked for me and I would say one of my biggest strengths is I'm very casual and I know that sounds silly, but I'm casual when I speak to people. I'm casual to, I mean, business casual will say, I'm not like, Hey man, what's up dude? Like, but you know, I'm very business casual. I'm very layman's terms type person. You know, I'm not going to give you a bunch of accounting jargon. You know, I'm going to break it down person to person, human to human, you know, I think that really helps because it helps with my communication with my clients. They don't feel like I'm too fancy for them to talk to and they're not going to understand anything I say. They feel like they can just ask me a casual question or just send me a quick text. Again, it all kind of goes to communication. I'd make myself very available. I don't, Mm. I'm not the Monday to Friday, nine to five. Don't bother me outside those hours. I'll answer that text message at 10 p.m. If it's a quick thing, if it's long, I'll say, hey, I'll give you a call first thing in the morning. I treat my clients and with, again, what I do, I treat myself as an extension of their company. Mm-hmm. I, treat it, I treat it like I'm one of their 
department heads. I'm their accounting, their bookkeeping department head. So I treat their business like it's my own and I give them the same advice I'd give myself or give any of my businesses. But again, I break it down to, because I realized when I was learning a lot of these things, it can be very confusing and very crazy. I break it down as much as I can and casual and give real world examples and make it easy for them to talk to me as well. I think that's really important. And then it's being timely. I mean, a lot of the clients I have now, the reasons they left their previous people is because they couldn't get a hold of them. They were doing everything really slow. The things mm-hmm. that they were expecting one week took two weeks or three weeks or four weeks. And that value has to be there, you know, in what you're, the service you're providing. I price myself accordingly, you know, as far as what I know I deliver. I deliver things very quickly because I'm 24-7. I will do it at 10 p.m. if I have to. <laughs> so so I, I just think creating the experience overall is really important of communication, pricing yourself accordingly, being quick. People want things now. We live in a world where we can get food in 10 minutes. We can get an Uber in five minutes. We can get Amazon packages literally the same day sometimes. (laughs) Like, you know, everyone's very instant and now, now, now. And I just don't think it works if you're taking three weeks to do something anymore because someone Mm -hmm. can, you can find someone to do it faster. So even if that means you have to grow your team a little bit because you can't do everything yourself, you know, you might have to outsource a little sometimes too. But um, I I still think communication is number one with all of that and making it easy for them to talk to you and making yourself, you know, be, and being able to talk to them. If there's a problem, I'm not going to hide from them and say, I ran into something, but like, I quit. Have fun with that. <laughs> you know, I say, hey, this is weird. I don't know how to do this. I'm going to need a couple extra days to consult some other people to see what they think about this. I hope you don't mind sharing your information because like, I need someone even smarter than me to figure this out because I don't know what's happening here. Yeah. And they appreciate that. They don't, a lot of the time, they don't mind that. No one's going to be mad that you don't know something if you find a way to figure it out and not just go I don't know Mm -hmm. yeah you know (laughs) and I think that's part of like building those relationships and connecting with people not trying to appear like you know everything and you're like this perfect robot that (laughs) I'm I'm realistic and I'm honest if I don't know the answer I'm not gonna say I don't know it and leave it at that I'll say I don't know it but I'm gonna find out for you just give me some time to talk to the people I need to talk to to figure it out (laughs) yeah so one of the reasons I wanted you on the show is because of how you give back. So can you talk about the different ways that you give back and what makes you want to do that? Yeah, I don't give back as much as I probably should, or if I do, I do it in probably different ways than, you know, the typical write a check to a foundation or something like that. One of the biggest ways I give back is my HOA involvement. That's volunteer work. At its finest, uh, I get abused by homeowners all the time, but for fun because I don't get paid for it. <laughs> but that is the way I give back. I know it's just one community, but it's one community in a big city, and and I take a lot of pride in in my neighborhood and you know, and the area I live in and stuff. So I I, I do consider that giving back in a way because it's unpaid volunteer work that can be really it's time consuming too. I sat through a four-hour HOA meeting last night. Four hours. That's a long time. for That's that's expensive for me. Yeah. <laughs> so that's just like a, a smaller way. I do a lot of like mentorships with other people. So that's why I say I don't necessarily write a check to a foundation, but I donate my time in a lot of ways. I help out a lot of people who maybe can't afford consulting services for their businesses, for their finances. I do that for free for a lot of people that aren't my friends, like just random people that 
I can just tell are struggling and they need a little bit of help. Like I said, mentorship. So I have, I'm one of the Berkeley, I go to Berkeley online, like through Boston. I'm a Berkeley mentor. So I mentor uh, up young students on how to, you know, balance their lives and their work and school and families and all that and get them through their, their semesters. I've done like a little volunteer work at like some of the sh- like women's shelters and stuff in town here. And of course I donate clothes and furniture and all those kinds of things too. But I really find a lot of the value. I like to see not for personal enrichment, but I like to see where that value goes. If I write a check somewhere, I don't really see that follow through where mm-hmm. it's nice that if I am helping someone directly, I can see that and go, yeah, like I did something awesome. Again, I don't want to say it's for self-validation, but it's nice to know it did help someone and it didn't go in a CEO's pocket. 80% yeah. of it didn't go in a CEO's pocket and the other 20% went to the research or whatever, you know. And then with COVID, I did a lot of donations through more to like families directly through like GoFundMe and stuff like that versus, uh, again, versus some kind of foundation. I did a lot of GoFundMes, a lot of artists, struggling artists and crew members from touring crews and stuff that had a lot of... They were selling stuff and you could buy it or you could just tip them for a performance they do or something like in the early COVID months, there's a lot of that too. So what I can do, I try to do if it's time, if it's donating my time, you know, it is what it is too. So yeah, since you do mentoring and I know you work with a lot of artists, what is your number one tip that you would tell an artist right now? That's kind of struggling. I get lots of Instagram messages from artists that are like, oh, like, how do I work with you? Or how do I work with the studio? Or how do I work with your dad? Or, you know, or how do I get signed to a label? I think everything has shifted so much. And not just because of COVID, just in general, the music industry is shifting with all the streaming and, and all that stuff. My biggest thing, and I would say for anybody in a creative realm, influencers, musicians, anything, is to build your following first. You cannot get signed to a major label anymore just because you're talented. Mm. They're looking at your numbers. They're looking at your analytics. Sign up with the business Instagram account so you can see your analytics and stuff. I would think it's the same for management companies, for influencers and uh, content creators and stuff. They want to see that you've already established yourself a little bit on your own before they're going to help you more. Whereas back in the day, you could be playing in a little bar and someone would go, hey, that band sounds good. Let's give them a million dollar record deal. (laughs) That's not how it is now. Yeah. So I always tell that. I I did. It's what I tell everybody first is you need to build your following first yourself and build it to a point where you're noticeable and people will come to you at that point. I Mm -hmm. think shopping yourself is just not really working much anymore as far as and I mean shopping to like labels or something they're they're looking they're already going to see you if you're making an impact they have people they have algorithms they have all the things to find you but you have to build that yourself you have to build a fan base yourself you have to build organic followers not paid followers they can tell when they're paid (laughs) you know organic followers organic streams and you just do that by you know pimping yourself out you do the live streams you you know you play some songs live you do a cool merch item that you promote. You do collaborations with people. That's a big thing. A lot of people go, I'm going to do this myself. I don't need anybody else. Collaborate, collaborate, collaborate. You have to find someone who's just one level above you, just like one step, not way up here because they're not even going to give you the time of day, mm-hmm. but just like one level above you, and that will grow you that much more. And then the next time, and as you grow, you just kind of keep working up. But collaborating and being able to cross fan bases and follower bases is really important too to grow that. You have to, you just have to establish yourself first before anyone else is going to be interested. It's just what it is right now. Yeah, 
And if you need help with that. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. There's a lot of people out there who will help you with that. (laughs) I want to get into your best tips. So what is your number one tip for travel? I am a very big traveler. That's probably been my saddest time of 2020 (laughs) as I did not go anywhere for 2020. I am the queen of deals. I know exactly. It's probably going to change completely now because the it's all shaken up, but mm. I'm the queen of deals. The time of day you book your flights, the time of day you book your hotels, using XYZ credit card to get the extra points to go through Honey, to go through Ebates, <laughs> to get the percentages of cash back through the stream, to buying a gift card on eBay for less and using that gift card from eBay <laughs> on your, I mean, as far as like travel deals go, I can go anywhere pretty much for $500, it seems like, usually. And then as far as enjoying your experience, being I put my phone away. If I'm traveling, I really do try to take a vacation as much as I can. I still end up working, but I do try to reduce that as much as possible. Just being present and appreciating that. What's the point of spending all this money to go travel somewhere if you're going to sit on your computer or your phone all day and work? Like, You have to appreciate it and take the time to enjoy your travel. But it's all about the travel deal, so you can really maximize your travel time. Because if Mm. you save it for one trip a year when you could really diversify that into like four trips a year. (laughs) Um, That's how I go. It's it's about quantity a lot of the time for me. But I I also work with the quality because I just find the good deals. I mean, I like, I probably spend about a month. I spend spend about one to two months a year traveling, Hmm. you know, as a whole. Like usually it's a couple weeks at a time and I travel all over the place because I just find the deals and I go. (laughs) Yeah. And are you originally from Canada or are you yeah I am I'm, I was born in Vancouver British Columbia so you go there too. I don't go there so much I go to Canada a lot I'd say mm. Canada Canada and Mexico are probably my most frequent I have been to Jamaica a couple of times I had plans to go to Europe this year I obviously didn't I went to Europe a couple of years ago I really just go anywhere I feel I actually have like this little like travel map back here mm-hmm. and it's like it's one of those scratch maps oh. so I scratch the things I want off and then I put pegs in the places I want to go next and so I just keep an eye on usually like three or four places at a time and if I find a deal I book it and go bye <laughs> The thing about working for yourself is that you have flexible schedule as far as like usually I can travel, I can make it work. Like I don't have to ask three people if I can take that time off. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, definitely. So what is your number one wellness tip? It's really hard right now because I'm in a whole different like health journey than I've ever been in. Yeah. Right now my real big focus with wellness is weight loss, obviously. One thing I've shifted, someone said something to me during COVID and it just flipped a switch in my brain. And they said, it was a doctor actually. And he said, it's natural to feel hungry. It's unnatural to feel full. Which when you think about caveman days, they didn't walk around stuffed to the brim all day, every day. They usually were felt a little bit hungry and then they would eat and, you know, feel satisfied and keep going and get hungry again. So I really try, and I know it's a struggle for everybody, but I really try to eat to stay alive. That's kind of my motto is I'm just eating to stay alive. It doesn't matter what I eat as long as I'm staying alive. Hmm. So if I need special certain nutrients or protein or whatever, carbs, whatever, I just eat enough to stay alive. <laughs> <laughs> um, wellness as a whole, I think taking time to for yourself is really important. I'm not good at it, but it's important. It's important to take, even if it's 10 minutes, take 10 minutes to just sit and do nothing or take go take a bath before bed that you can just you know, turn your brain off for 10 minutes. It's really important to really try to take a little self-reflection time because it's easy to get caught up. I'm a very advocate for mental health. I do see a therapist every month just to 
clear my emotional plate is what I call it. Mm -hmm. I just go through whatever's loaded up for the month and I spew it out (laughs) to a third party person and then I wait, see her the next month. um, There's no shame in that, in my opinion, you know, you're, you got to do it. And sometimes talking to just like a third party person that is no involvement, you're not going to get an opinion or advice. I'm not looking for that. I'm just looking to clear my emotional plate. Mm -hmm. I, I think, I think just full encompassing wellness is important of, you know, talking to someone if you need to taking care of your body inside and out. I know you've been on a clean journey of switching to clean products. Um, I've kind of been doing some, I've actually been inspired by that and I'm definitely nowhere near where you are, but (laughs) I'm starting to really look at some of the ingredients that are going into things and even foods like all these hormones and dyes and Mm -hmm. just, just taking one of those things out is making a difference. You don't have to wake up one day and all of a sudden being clean living and try to struggle through that. Just one thing at a time, change your shampoo change your breakfast, change your coffee creamer, you know, whatever it is, like, just one thing at a time. But I think everyone just needs to take at least 10 minutes for themselves a day. And that's where those thoughts will come from. It's like, Oh, I feel good today. What did I eat? Oh, yeah, I ate that. That was good. I'll eat that again tomorrow. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I definitely think with the therapist, because before kind of COVID happened, I was still at another job. And so like, I had interns there. And then once I went full time in my business like I didn't have insurance right away because I had to build it build it up and so one of the things that I stopped doing was going to a therapist and I realized like after a while I felt like I was just like nagging some of my friends too much like I was like telling them too much and I was like they probably don't care like it's kind of annoying to like listen to someone like download all this on someone so I feel like even if it's not for you. You should go to therapy for your friends or your family so that you're not <laughs> putting I that on I bumped up them. my therapy since I started losing weight because, you know, it consumes, it consumed my life. Like that's my day was, what am I going to eat? What am I going to do? Have I lost weight? I need to get some clothes because nothing fits. Like, you know, and I realized I was sick of hearing myself talk to other people about that stuff. And I was like, oh, here we go, Chloe, like talking about your weight loss again, like, or what's changed. And it's such a dramatic, like drastic amount of weight to lose that my life has changed so much. And so like I said, it consumes me because I'm thinking about all these changes in my life. And that's when I was like, I don't want to keep bothering people. And I don't want to keep hearing myself talk to people. And I couldn't remember what I had said to different people. And so then I'm repeating myself and I'm like, I'll just save all this and I'll just talk to my girl (laughs) every month. I have one girl, we do telehealth or whatever. And you know, I just let it all out. And because I only talk to her once a month, she's genuinely interested instead of hearing it every day or every week or whatever. But yeah, you know, I think, so you said this airs January 27th, I think. So by that point, I will hopefully have lost 100 pounds, which I will then reveal how I really did it. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> um, I, I can tell you now because I'll know by then, but uh, I did have weight loss surgery this year. And that's kind of why everything's changed so much because losing that much weight so quickly, it was like, what are they? there's a word for it. I can't remember the name of it, but it's basically like you go into shock of like your life is like people do when they get plastic surgery, it happens to them too, where they Mm. imposter syndrome. That's what it is. I feel like I legitimately have imposter syndrome now because like, I just, it was, it was like overnight all of a sudden I'm 90 pounds less and everything's different. So it's really weird, but yeah, I'll I'll publicly announce that I was going to wait till I lost a hundred pounds to publicly talk about that. But I was, I was wondering because I know you put it in 
when you did the application for the podcast. And I didn't remember reading that anywhere. And I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't remember because I knew I knew this would be further out. And I like mm-hmm. I I'm so close. I'm like six pounds away from losing 100 pounds now. Mm-hmm. So so I, my my dream you know vision is like I'll have the mylar balloons of the one zero zero and take a cute picture and then actually talk about it. And I I I mean this is a whole side tangent, but you know I, I didn't want to talk about it while I was going through it because I didn't want input from anyone. I didn't mm. want I didn't want the backhanded comments of oh well that's how you, well that makes sense like that's the easy way. Of course you didn't have to struggle like you just got your stomach cut out and it's fine. Like but now that I've gone through it and knowing what I know now, I do not care what anybody thinks. Yeah, <laughs> I really don't. There's no way I would have been able to do this on my own the way I have. There's no way. So I'm I'm very grateful that I did it and I. I would do it a hundred times over and I don't care what anybody says. So I, I just wanted to make it like a cute presentation with the balloons and stuff. So that's mm-hmm. why I was waiting till a hundred pounds, but I do tell people day to day, like it's not a secret or anything. It's just hasn't been like publicly yeah, publicly announced by any means. What made you decide to go through um, with the surgery? Uh, COVID. I mean, I, I looked at it probably every, I think I looked back through my emails when I was searching for a surgeon I had emailed a surgeon every year for the last seven years to schedule consults for it. And I just kept chickening out. I just kept saying, I can do this myself. I don't need to go get surgery. I can just, I'll just eat healthy and I'll go to the gym. And I've tried every diet and every meal plan and every prescription medication known to man. Like, (laughs) I just, that's what I keep doing. I go, okay, I'll try this. And then, and then if I doesn't work, I'll go get surgery. And then it, I just wouldn't move on with my life and forget about it. I just was sitting around at COVID. It was like the middle of May. And I was just like, I just need to do this. I'm tired. Like, I'm so tired. It's so, it was a lot of time for self-reflection those first couple months because people weren't really doing anything. Yeah. I'm tired of being fat. I'm tired of, you know, being thinking about all the things I think about from not fitting there or not fitting those clothes or if I'm going to need a seatbelt extender next time I travel or well, can I go on that roller coaster? Like, oh, can I walk that far if I can't find a parking spot? Am I going to be, like, dying out of breath by the time I get to the store? Like, you know, I just kind of sick of all that stuff. And I was just, I, start, I literally remember sitting, I was watching 600 pound life. <laughs> <laughs> so that might've had something to do with it too. Um, but I was watching it and I was just like, why don't I just do this now? COVID's perfect. I not, don't see anybody. I, I'm not influenced by, you know, eating out and stuff because we weren't really eating out yet or anything. Yeah. Um, it just gives me some time to focus and just not worry about what people are doing and being influenced by other things. And so I literally called, someone is like how much is this can I do this and they're like yeah see you next week you know like, All right, bye. <laughs> like I'll see you at the hospital <laughs> yeah I just I just really tired of of the struggle I mean I think I think a lot of people if not everybody or you know even thinner people have the same struggle if they don't like something and they're constantly working to change it and things don't work and diets don't work and they yo-yo and they gain some back they lose some and then they gain five pounds more than they started and I just I don't know. I was just kind of over it. So I thought I'll do this. And this was, this was my Hail Mary. I had a lot of health, underlying health issues that I kind of needed addressed as well. So I just was like, ah, oh, fuck it. I'll do it. Let's see what yeah. happens. <laughs> and I, I think anything like that, that you're like constantly, because I was the same way, yo-yo dieter, always like, and it it's just, it's always in the back of your mind. So like, even if you're trying to work on clients or do other things, like in the back of your mind, you're still thinking about like your weight. 
for yeah, your health sure. issues because you're in a meeting so. i'm like oh like is this a good angle like the zoom call like <laughs> let's raise i used to do my school classes because they're all online i would stack up a bunch of bath and body works candles and then put my computer on top of that so that i had like a high angle so that you couldn't see my double chins like yeah. i mean those are just there's so much of so much of my life was consumed by living overweight and, and the accommodations I have to make for myself to live a happier life. So I, it was, I just was tired. I just, I don't know. I just, just really just kind of tapped out. And I, like I said, I reached a point where I just didn't care what anyone else thought. And that was why I didn't get it done earlier. It's because I was always like, well, what my parents, what would my parents say? And like, what would my husband say? And what my friends say? And like, they wouldn't approve of this. And I just went, I'm doing it. I don't care what any of you guys think. I'm, I'm doing it no matter what. And like, you could either, I need, I only need one person. That was my motto. My motto to myself is I only need one person to support me to, to really, cause I do thrive on other people's support and approval or, you know, I like to make people proud and stuff like my parents and stuff. So yeah. I only need one person to be on board with this. And I worked on my husband and it took about a month. I was already like, it was like the day before surgery when he was finally on board basically. And then I just had this like calmness. I'm good. One person supports me. That's all I need, you know, to get through this. And, and then everyone else jumped on board once they of course saw the results and saw that I was taking it seriously. And I didn't go get a cheeseburger the day after surgery. And, you know, those, those, all these things people are scared of regaining, you know, I'm not that far along. I could regain it. I don't know, but I am taking it really seriously. It was expensive. So, yeah. you know, I think of it as I got to take it seriously. I, I paid for it. Like, yeah, it was an investment. Yeah, it was. It was totally. And and the point of it is, is it doesn't last forever. So you have to create all these habits while you have the restriction and, you know, all the things. So why would I want to ruin that and then just gain it all back in two years? Like, the point mm-hmm. is to restart your life. I used to say to myself all the time, I wish I could just wake up tomorrow and be skinny. If I woke up and I was skinny, I would take care of myself. I would treat that as like a, a clean slate and I would start working out and start eating healthy. I just wish I could just like hit the reset button on my body. This was that. I mean, it, it happens so fast. It really is like setting a reset button. So yeah, I've said that too. <laughs> I know. I'm like, if I could just wake up, like, just a little smaller. I, I'll take care of it. Like if I just had to tone up, I'll tone up. I promise. You know. <laughs> yeah. So, what is your number one life tip? Prioritize. I prioritize my life. I prioritize every aspect of it. Um, and I think that's a trick to keep yourself happy. I don't necessarily dedicate hours of my day to me and take care of myself. But if I prioritize the things that I enjoy and the things that bring me joy, I'm in turn doing something for myself. I try not to say yes as again, I like I, said, I struggle with this, but I try not to say yes to things I don't want to do. I mean, down to the simple stuff, like someone wants me to go to a party. It, my, my little like mental note is if I don't want to do this right now, I'm not going to want to do it in two weeks. So if someone says, Hey, do you want to come to my house to this party? And I know I wouldn't go that minute. I'm just not, I know I'm not going to want to go in two weeks. So, so, and and instead of being a flake and going, yeah, I'll be there. And then I have to send them a text on why I'm not coming. I think that saves me a lot of time. I don't want to say it's being selfish, but I'm just making sure that my life is prioritized accordingly to what I need to get done as well as what I get enjoyment from. Mm. It's like, it's like a love language. My family is my number two, (laughs) you know? So, so I struggle with this a lot growing up with friends. I'm not a friend person. I'm just not. (laughs) I don't have a lot of friends and it's not because I'm a bad friend. I just, 
I just don't prioritize my friendships. I prioritize my work and my family and myself over friendships. So mm-hmm. it would make a lot of my friends angry because I would, they'd go, hey, do you want to go to the mall? I haven't seen you in a while. And I'd go, oh, I got a family dinner. I'm actually going to that. And they'd go, well, you always hang out with your family. You never want to hang out with me. I'm like, well, I prioritize my family. <laughs> you know, I, I think just figuring out what's important to you I think, and, and taking advantage of that and maximizing that is the, really the most important way for you to balance your life. And I, and that goes with business and personal. If mm-hmm. running a business of helping people with their branding really brings you joy and you prioritize that in your life, you will enjoy your life because you're doing things that you like and you want to do. Even if it's work, quote yeah. unquote, you know, <laughs> like it's still work. You still have to hustle and make money and pay your bills and stuff. You'll enjoy it a lot more. You know, if you have a shitty job, the perfect example of most of the people who work at the chicken shack, that's not their forever job. <laughs> it, it's a, it's a, you know, a lot of kids and, you know, the high school students stuff. if they have a crappy job and they have the day off and their boss calls them and says, Hey, someone called out, can you come in? And they have the opportunity to go to work that they hate, or they have a chance to hang out with their friends at the mall. They're not going into work, mm-hmm. but if they're doing something they love and they are prioritizing that, they might go to work overseeing their friends because they know it's going to help them in their career. Or it's going to help them grow their business or yeah. prioritization, I think is a good, is the best route. It's figuring out what you prioritize in your life and not being shy to say no to the things that are lower on your priority list. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think that's the wrong thing to do. And I think that again, in turn helps with self-care a little bit. It's not direct self-care and taking care of yourself, but it's, it is in a way because you're doing things you enjoy and taking care of the responsibilities that are meaningful to you. Yeah. Well, I wanted to thank you for joining me and answering all my questions. How can people find you, work with you, talk to you? I'm everywhere. No, I'm not. I actually am not <laughs> everywhere. That's probably, you'd probably, if you ever looked at my branding, you'd be horrified, I'm sure. I'm on Instagram, Chloe Churko. I just changed that recently to my name because it's easier for people to find me. I am, I'm a LinkedIn user, Chloe Churko on LinkedIn as well. I don't really use Facebook. And then as far as my businesses go, uh, Pink Noise is also on the social media, on Instagram, like Pink Noise MGMT, PinkNoiseMGMT.com, HideoutLV.com, <laughs> basically websites, Instagram. So this is the last question that I ask every guest what does being pretty af mean to you i really like your pretty af branding i think that's really cool i think to me when i think of that it's not just surface it's inside and out every aspect of your life you're being a good person you're having a pretty personality as i might say you know right and wrong you're likable but not phony (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then you're taking care of yourself that doesn't necessarily mean in the ways of like, oh, you put makeup on that day, but in the ways of you use some clean products or you took those 10 minutes to take a bath and just relax and listen to a podcast that you enjoy. It's really just the balance and being pretty on the inside and out, but not in the textbook dictionary kind of way, just in the fulfillment way in every part of your life. Thank you so much, Chloe, for taking the time to join me on the Pretty AF podcast and answer all my questions. If you haven't done so yet, check out the show notes where you can see her websites, her social media, get connected with her, work with her if you're needing some of those management or bookkeeping things. And I will see you in next week's solo episode. Thank you for taking this time for yourself to get one step closer to a life you love. If you love this episode, it would mean the world to me. 
if you left me a review on iTunes or whatever you're listening on. Tell me what you want to hear more of or your favorite parts of the episode. Until next time, I'm Ozzy Maslow. Lots of love. And don't forget, you're pretty AF.